It's time for the Press Box with Brad and John. Well, I can't believe it. 92 yards, and Lindsey really got in a foot race. I broke my chair. I came right through a chair, a metal steel chair with about a five-inch cushion. I broke it. The booth came apart. The stadium, well, the stadium fell down. Now they do have to renovate this thing. They'll have to rebuild it now. The stone eyes a hole. Sedwell awaiting the slot. The spot. The kick is up. The kick is down. Somebody has run out on the field. Some goofball in a hat and a red shirt. Now he takes off the shirt. He's running down the middle by the 50. He's at the 30. He's bare-chested and banging his chest. Now he runs the opposite way. He runs at the 50. He runs at the 40. The guy is drunk, but there he goes. The 20. They're chasing him. They're not going to get him. Waving his arms, bare-chested. Somebody stop Look that out. man. Here comes the blue coat. Oh, Kevin. they got him. Here comes coming the blue from coat. The left. Oh, and they tackle him at the 40-yard line. Watson takes a snap, rolls right, looks into the end zone. Hunter and Bell caught it! Touchdown! 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 With a second left, Watson hits Renfro, and Clemson grabs a 34-31 lead. Now, Brad Sinketh and John Hyde with the Press Box on the Roar. Good morning. Welcome to the Press Box. Brad Single here with John Hyde broadcasting live on this Tuesday, February the 20th, 2024 from the Upcountry Fiber Studios here at the Roar 105.5975 and of course the RoarFM.com and the Roar app wherever you're listening today. We thank you for that. I want you to be part of the show 654-7627-654. That's the number. On the phone lines, on the Adams & Co. roofing text line. Uh, we'll talk some Clemson baseball today. We'll talk some college basketball. We'll do some NFL and some college football. We're going to just go, we're going to run the whole gamut here today. We're going to get a little bit of everything in over the course of the next three hours. And I'll let you know about a, uh, a guest coming up later on as well. And we'll have a lot of fun here on a Tuesday. Good morning, John. How are you? Doing well, Brian. You, you forgot one thing on the rundown there. What's that? Well, we got sprinkling the Atlanta Braves. We're going to do a Braves report today? Yeah. There's something that I this find is, interesting. Whoa. There's something about the Atlanta Braves that I find interesting that I want to discuss. I want to write this down here. Uh, this is the second time in a week that John Height has requested an Atlanta Braves report. All right. Just, just making a note of that. So when he rolls his eyes in the middle of June, we have to do a Braves report. Uh, I can read. I, can I won't be rolling my eyes in the middle of June because late June the the Pirates are coming down to Truist, so you know be very honed in there. Well, your team now mid July, yes, I'll be rolling. My your eyes team will you. be out of it by mid June, but also accurate. Uh, we will. Uh, we'll, we'll probably do some some Atlanta Braves then, if you if you so choose, if you if you like that kind of thing, John. I will. I will. I don't personally, I no but I, I know the listening audience would find interest in it. I have no problem giving you. Uh, the Atlanta Braves report that you so desire. Thank you. I appreciate mm. that. Can we just can we take a moment to celebrate? John, our guy, won the Daytona 500. <laughs> the William Byron team took home the crown yesterday. And the car did not run out of gas, my friend. <laughs> Do you know why it didn't run out of gas? 
because friend of the press box, Landon Walker, kept the car fueled and ready to go. Our adopted NASCAR team was victorious. We're the champions, John, of the Daytona 500. Feels good, doesn't it? It does feel good. Had a little extra pep in the step this morning. The car ran extra good this morning? Yeah, it did. I, I didn't run out of gas either. <laughs> the Landon Walker effect made sure I was fueled up. So William Quackenbush can embrace that one day. Rolling out here with three <laughs> miles till empty. Quark, we need Quark to get Quack and Landon to have a good sit man. down and figure this out. Quack takes some unnecessary risks in life sometimes. That's coming from a man with a suspended license over here. I do not have a suspended <laughs> license. That is false, inaccurate information. Uh, 654 or you want to get in with us. But yeah, congratulations to William Byron. And oh, absolutely. Landon Walker. We need to get him on the program here soon. Talk about the... The victorious race that it was yesterday afternoon Absolutely. in Daytona. Absolutely. Can't wait. Um, Great start to the season for him, too. It's kind of hard to get it. It's kind of hard to start any better than that. You win the Super Bowl of NASCAR right out the gate to start the year. It can only, <laughs> can only go one direction. It's all downhill from here. <laughs> oh, no. That, that sounds horrible. Let, let's not put that on our good friend Landon Walker. We won't do that here. Former Clemson Tiger, who's been kind enough to join us. Um, pretty much he did all, all football season and a little bit after that. We'll get him back on again soon to talk some NASCAR, but also to break down the Tigers who are uh, very close to spring practice. John, we are getting we're getting near the end of February in a hurry, which means we're getting very close to your birthday. Eh. We, we can celebrate eh. it this year. You actually get one. I'm more focused on spring practice. Uh, you're more... <laughs> You're more focused on spring. No, because every time I have a birthday now, I'm realizing how much closer I am to 40, and I don't really want to pay attention to that. Mm. On a scale of 1 to 10, how important is this spring practice for the Clemson Tigers? Uh, Nine. I mean, every year should be pretty high. But 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 let's let's parse this out a little bit. All right. Now, obviously, we don't have the full list of guys who are having – it's procedure season, right? We haven't gotten a list of guys who are – Having those, but if I, I feel like a year ago we had more of an inkling of guys who were going to be out getting surgeries and things like that at this point before spring ball started. I feel like there's more health with the team this year. We we think we now. think yes. Yeah. So <laughs> Coach Sweeney could come out there at the first press conference and be like, "Hey, we've got 45 guys who had surgery or something." You know, I don't know, but yeah, it it, it kind of stunk that we didn't get the signing day press conference where Coach Sweeney kind of updates you on everything going on around the program. Right. That that's what I miss about that. I mean, obviously, there's not a need for it like there has been because nobody signed with Clemson a couple of Wednesdays ago. I get that, but still, to, you get the updates of where the where the program is, where guys are health wise, where you are heading into spring ball. You get some important dates and all that kind of thing laid out for you. Didn't get that this year. But one of the things that I, where I find it to be more important than in years past, you have two new position coaches. And yes, we we made a big deal about Matt Luke and Chris Rump in bowl prep. And mm-hmm. I think they had a lot of impact in that. But now they are starting from from square one, laying the foundation for a team for the fall of 24. So for all the things you, you want to see out of this offensive line improvement, you want to see out of the defensive ends, it starts next week. Yeah. It does. It does. And is that are those the two most important positions going into spring ball? Uh, I think they're going to have the most, um, the biggest spotlight on them because of their the new coaches. Yeah, but I think they're um, very important position battles all across the Tigers depth chart that are going to take place over spring. I mean, I look at corner. 
that's a position that needs to get itself solidified. I thought they played well in the bowl game, but you're losing Nate Wiggins. You're losing Sheridan Jones in that secondary. You're losing a Jalen Phillips. There's a lot of roles that need to be redefined. Losing Toriano Pride. Yeah. You've you've got a you you're basically reshuffling your your too deep at that position. And, and it helps at corner alone. And it I mean obviously it certainly helps that Corian Gibson and Tavoy Fagan are already on campus. But I mean, think about the guys who logged a lot of those snaps last year are not gonna be there. I mean, the guys who did in the back half of the season. Well, th- just look at it like this. This time last year, was was anybody who's going to be on the on the first team even on two deep last year in the secondary? No, they weren't. Except for R.J. Mickens, that'd be the only one. No, at I mean, the safe- I'm, I'm, I'm talking about corner. Strictly a corner, no. Yeah. The none of them, no. Yeah, so we didn't know if we didn't know if Avion Torre was even going to factor this time a year ago. Right. The coaching staff had no clue. So they they've got to reshuffle the entire two deep. That's that. That's a big deal. That is that. But that's what spring ball is for. That's right. why you go through this. It's not. A, it's not. A, it's not going to be on the concernometer tomorrow necessarily. But it's something you have to figure out as you go through the course of of the fifteen practices. Yeah, and I just wanted to highlight like that position alone to where it's not just offensive line and defensive ends is the only thing we need to be paying attention to in spring ball. No, and I think I think the words you used was interesting when I brought this up. Battle. Because I, I would argue that the most important position, there's not even a battle. There's development, and that's quarterback. Right. There's no battle going on. No one's going to try to take Cade Klubnik's spot. Well, in, I hope they come to ball. practice every day with the intent of trying to take his spot. But <laughs> sure, but realistically. No, yeah, I get what you mean. It's about the player mindset there. Sure, but I, I think the development of that position from Cade Klubnik down is incredibly important to follow during spring practice. Oh, absolutely. And, and you know, and I go back to when we met with Garrett Riley last July before camp started, and you asked him about his wide receiver group. He's like, I don't know. He had four scholarship guys in spring last year. I think that is very imperative for this 24 season that you have more of these guys. Bright Wesco already on campus, that you're able to work a lot of these these guys in for all of spring. Do you feel better about the receiving core right now than you did a year ago? Yes, I do. I mean, not I, not not like like leaps and bounds better, but I do feel better about it. I feel like you have more. You, you have, have more, more known. You, you have more known commodities, as opposed to last August when we did that show in or July when we did that show at Clemson and talked to Garrett Riley and that's what he had to say about I don't know about my receivers. We we kind of made a big deal out of that. I, I think it, we rightfully so should have. But now you have junior Antonio Williams, sophomore Tyler Brown. You have two guys. You, you have known commodities right there with those two guys that you didn't have a year ago. I think you know what Troy Stilato is, and you didn't. Again, Correct. there's some more knowns here. And I also think it's I, – I'm not trying to – I don't, I, I don't want to be negative here, but I think <laughs> it's honestly – Negative guy in the room. I think it may be a good thing that Bo Collins is out of that wide receiver room. Let other guys try to emerge. Because I feel like in the Clemson offense, I, I'm not trying to say that he's going to have a poor year at Notre Dame. I understand what you're but saying. But I feel like within the Clemson yeah. offense, he reached the ceiling. I, I think I think you can make that case, yes. I don't I don't disagree with you. I'm not going to argue it the other way, but I don't I don't know for sure, but I, I think you make some good good points. Um, you, to me, I think you know what Adam Randall is now. Those last couple games, I think, really showed you a role that he can have in this offense. Yeah. He's not a burner. He's not the send it, send it deep and throw the 50-50 ball. He's not T. Higgins. He's just not that guy. 
But did he find and carve out a niche in some short yardage situations to use his big frame and not be under the pressure of, oh boy, the ball's in the air, 50-50, I have to win this. I think he excelled when he was not put in that position. I agree. Cole Turner is a guy that you know the coaches absolutely love, just was not healthy in 2023. Doesn't mean he won't be healthy in 2024 and contribute in a, in a big way. Yep. So, again, I think there's some knowns. And then you hope that some guys grew up, right? You hope that Ronan Hannafin, you know, finds a finds a role. You hope Noble Johnson really used the redshirt year well. Yeah. Yeah. You you hope that these guys start And Tink to, Kelly, you know, what yeah. you may have in him. Yeah, we're not quite sure exactly where he's going to fit into all this. But I I think there's you, there the baseline start is going to look very different at receiver. Because I feel like the baseline start, I remember going out last spring, and, and it was the first time you got to see Noble Johnson. And, and, John, half the guys running routes, more than half the guys running routes, were walk-ons. There were only four scholarship receivers last spring. And if you remember the spring game, what, what was it, like two guys out there? Yeah. I mean, that's why all the passing went through Banks, Pope, and Hamp Green in the spring game. Yeah. So, hopefully, this start to the and I don't I don't know what it means I don't know how much we're not trying to paint a picture that's going to be greatly improved receiver play we're just trying to tell you at least the starting point is better than it was a year ago vastly better I also think and to tie into the receiving element of it I think your tight end position is in a better spot okay I think another a full year of Jake Brenningstool being kind of a focal point in the passing game and he was this past season it was a very big part of the passing game I think it being his senior year, another year, year two of this offense, I think that Garrett Riley is going to be able to find things for him. But I also look at Olsen Pat Henry. And I look at some of these young, you know, Marcus Dix and some of these young tight ends, a Josh Sapp. There's a lot of playmaking there at the tight end position that Clemson had. And before Christian Bentoncourt even gets here, one of the top tight ends of the country. Before I talk about tight ends for a moment, I do want to mention that... Um, is, is it is it West Coast that's on campus? West Coast on campus. Moore's TJ Moore in gets into the summer, yes. Okay, so the freshman receivers will also factor into this. One will be a, a factor in the spring learning everything, but we'll see what Moore does when he gets here. I just want to... to yeah, and Moore, and for just clarification, Moore was the one who blew up at all the All-American games and the All-Star showcase things where he was, I think, like a three-star and got bumped all the way up to close to five-star status, depending yeah. on the service. And West Coast's been highly rated for a very long time. Yeah, his whole his whole recruitment yeah. has been highly rated. Okay, just want to make a point of that. Um, tight ends, I am curious. I, something you said there, just kind of kind of light bulb kind of thing went on, when you said finding some things for Brenningstool that I just don't I don't know that I feel like they knew what to use him, how to use him last year. I don't think it I mean, granted, we haven't done a full deep dive of every roster that Garrett Riley has coached. But I mean, you go back to the twenty twenty two TCU team, there there wasn't exactly a tight end like Jake Brenningstool within that offense. I just don't know. Like, though, I don't know that, how many air raid based rosters have had like big tight end play the way Clemson has recruited the tight end. You know, under Kyle Richardson and the way Tony Elliott built and designed this offense, where the, I mean, we talked about it for years how the tight end next to the quarterback is the most important person on the field because of all the different responsibilities that they have. Let me ask you this, and I want you to think about it while we're at break. All right. What kind of tight end is Jake Brenningstool? And I don't mean, I'm, I'm not using comparisons. I'm just saying, is he, 
is he Travis Kelsey? Is he Gronk? And I, I don't I don't mean that physically. I mean in a schematic standpoint of how you use him. Is he a straight line guy like Gronk used to be? Or is he more of a work you the work the middle of the field, work between the hashes, and create something in the middle of the field? Which which one is he to you? We'll discuss on the other side. Six five four roar back after this. At Hannah's Organic Honey, business may be sweet, but they need an e-commerce queen bee to lead the hive. Okay, these jars are going to Jakarta. Oh, wait a minute. Does that say Jackson? Indeed can help them hire great people fast. I need Indeed. Indeed you do. Schedule virtual interviews and talk to candidates right from your employer dashboard. Visit indeed.com slash credit and get $75 towards your first sponsored job. Terms and conditions apply. Don't let turnover stall your business. HTI is the Upstate's trusted attraction and retention partner. We work with employers to provide all things workplace, including recruiting, staffing, HR services, team building, and leadership training. Call Ryan at 513-6563 or visit htijobs.com backslash Upstate today. Again, call Ryan at 513-6563 or visit htijobs.com backslash Upstate today. I'm a donut nut, I'm a donut nut, I'm a nut for Krispy Kreme. I'm Glenn Reese with Krispy Kreme Donuts in Anderson and Spartanburg. We're open seven days a week. Pick up some delicious donuts and a cup of coffee. Share a box or two at your business meeting, at church, or with family and friends during a time of need. Call Spartanburg and Anderson Krispy Kremes. I'm a donut nut, I'm a donut nut, I'm a nut for Krispy Kreme. I'm Rick Davis with the Davis Law Group. I was born and raised in Greenville, attended Clemson University, and graduated in 1981. I've had the pleasure and the honor of assisting people in the upstate who may have been injured on the job or in a car wreck or through some other hazardous condition and cherish the many relationships and friendships that I've had with the clients over the years. What we do is we try to help the client find a path forward. Contact us at davis.law. We'll be glad to talk to you and see how we can help. Concerned about a potential gas leak at home? No worries. Fort Hill Natural Gas, your safety-focused energy provider, has you covered. Natural Gas, renowned for its safety and reliability, ensures your household comfort. While it's colorless and odorless, we've added a distinctive rotten egg scent for instant leak detection. If you ever smell a gas odor, act fast and call the Fort Hill Natural Gas office immediately. For more safety tips, visit FHNGA.com. Spring cleaning is always first thing on the to-do list this time of year, so don't forget yourself. Roosters is here to remind you how important it is to keep your hair and face fresh and clean this season. Roosters has a full menu of what you need for male grooming this spring to check that off of your list. Don't forget to set your next appointment with the professionals at Roosters on Pelham Road in Greenville by calling 884-8920. Gift cards are always available at Roosters. Give the gift that keeps on giving. At Hannah's Organic Honey, business may be sweet, but they need an e-commerce queen bee to lead the hive. Okay, these jars are going to Jakarta. Oh, wait a minute. Does that say Jackson? Indeed can help them hire great people fast. I need Indeed. Indeed you do. Schedule virtual interviews and talk to candidates right from your employer dashboard. Visit Indeed.com credit and get $75 towards your first sponsored job. Terms and conditions apply. Powered by UpCountry Fiber. 
We are 105.5 and 97.5 The Roar. Providing fiber internet, HDTV, and phone service, Upcountry Fiber is a stronger connection. Every shot, every block, every game. We're your home for Clemson basketball. 105.5 and 97.5. We are The Roar, where every day is game day. Back here live on the roar of the press box with Brad and John. Get some NFL in a little bit. The tag window, franchise tag window, opens up at four o'clock today, and I'll tell you kind of what I think is going to happen with former Clemson Tiger T Higgins coming up in just a little bit. So stay tuned for that. I want to be clear about something I said in the last segment, and, and then we'll we'll discuss it. But when I was trying to figure out what kind of tight end is Jake Brenningstool for the Clemson Tigers this year. Uh, I, I'm not talking about physical. I'm not talking about physically size or any any of that kind of stuff. I, I meant from a schematic standpoint, what kind of routes do they run? Because there's different ways to use your tight end. There's seam busters like Gronk would be in that. Kittle is used a lot, I think that way, for the San Francisco 49ers. Seam busters, guys that that you know straight line run down the field, they draw a safety over, or if they don't draw a safety over and you got man coverage, you're throwing that sucker to them. There's those kind of, of, of tight ends that can really, really, I think, hurt and stretch a defense in a, in a different way than just sending your outside receiver down the field deep. And then there's a kind of tight end like Travis Kelsey, who runs a lot of shifty motion, like, I mean like post-snap motion stuff, like quick outs, uh slants going across the middle and of course the Kelsey specialty finding the hole in your zone because linebackers cannot stay with him and so he just runs right through their zones and finds holes and makes makes plays so I mean Kelsey's not a straight line guy Kelsey is not a guy you're sending down the seam to bust he he might try to run a couple of those a game but they use him between the hashes between the numbers, an awful lot. He's not an outside numbers. Remember, Gronk would line up on the outside sometimes. Oh yeah, he would split out wide. If Kelsey splits out wide, you know he's coming in. Like there's no. It's qu- a crossing pattern. Yeah, he's coming to play in the middle of the field. Yeah. Right. You teams defended Gronk vastly differently than they defended Kelsey. Correct. We're just talking from a schematic standpoint, not yes. their body size type, none athleticism, none of that. Because I I don't want it. Yeah, I think that's just kind of a a waste of air time, honestly, to try to compare. You know, so who he's physically like. Right. So what will we see from Jake Brenningstall? What what kind of which tight end is he, if I'm giving you those two options in terms of a schematic standpoint? Is he a seam buster or is he a beat your zone to death guy? I think last year he was more of a seam buster. You know, kind of in that rock bowl, running down the you know the center of the field in between the hash marks. What I would like to see in twenty four is more of the crossing patterns with the tight. We saw a good bit of Jake Brenningstool crossing patterns last year, but I want to see more of that. I want to see more of him trying to exploit zone coverage and trying to put the defense in just a very compromising spot. Because if you're able to open things up to where they now have to really account for where is Jake Brenningstool going. Boy, does that make things a lot easier for Antonio Williams to get open, for Tyler Brown to get open, to find some you know more holes in some outside coverage if they have to keep 
crashing into the center of the field to protect the tight end usage. Can I ask you this? Is is playing tight end nowadays, to a certain degree, similar to basketball, where like you under, have to understand floor spacing in basketball? You have to, like guys get their shots because they know where to go on the court. They know where the defense might be weak. They know how to get spots. Yeah. Is is playing tight end very similar to that now? It's or? becoming that. Yeah. I, we have seen that transition take place over the last few years, and I think it's something that's going to continue to develop over the years. If you have a, a very good tight end, you don't run a whole lot of man, right? In, in theory. Because uh, well, you don't depend- have anyone who can defend that one tight end. Yeah, the defense should not be calling man, but if you see man coverage on your tight end, if it's like a Mike linebacker or something, throw him the football. But generally speaking, in the NFL, most teams are zoning the yes. Kansas City Chiefs. Correct, yes. Because, and even though that's Kelsey's specialty, I know that sounds weird, but if you if you played him man and you had a, and they they did some shifting and some motions to get a linebacker on him, it, it's lights out, it's over. Well, it's if a, you ran that much man against time. the Chiefs the way that Patrick Mahomes can scramble and move around, all it would take was you know him to roll to the right, Rasheed Rice to break off his route, go somewhere else, and you got a guy wide tail open. Yeah, I think that Brennan still has profiled as more of a seam guy, but I think they want to make him more of a zone guy. I think that should be. I think that would be in the offense's best interest in twenty four, is if you can use him to exploit zone coverage, or if you can use him. You know, we talked about how motions during the season would help Cade Klubnik break down what the coverage was before the snap. I think a lot of what you can do with Burning Stool in that regard is it, it even just to help for Cade Klubnik to read what's happening with the defense, how they're playing him. That's what the Chiefs do. Yeah. They use Kelsey to figure out what the defense is going to, or they use a receiver near him in motion to try to get the defense to give away what they're about to run. I mean, how many times do they do they motion a guy to his side of the field? Um, I think... On my head, it feels like over 50%. I mean, it's a it's a large portion of what they do. But also, one of the reasons you're doing that is to bring a defender on top so that if that defender splits wide to take the receiver, you know you've got the inside leverage there with Kelsey on a, on a slant type thing. So yeah. that's that's one. I mean, you're just you're just playing a little game here just to, to force them to defend the outside. Right. If not, then you get leverage on the inside with whoever's on Kelsey, and then you got over the top leverage with whoever the DB is out there. And it's hard to get. And then he's basically double teamed at that point. There's nowhere to go. But if the receiver is in motion, it comes over there. He takes the outside guy with him, and that opens it up. Which is kind of what they did in the in the Super Bowl on yep. the on the winning play. I, if I remember correctly, I think they came to Kelsey's side. They br- brought Hardman to Kelsey's side because and and yeah, no, that's right. Yeah, and then he ran the the the, the, the DB who was supposed to split out wide and take Hardman kept his eyes inside on Kelsey because he had just caught a pass to get him down there. So they assumed the ball was going to Kelsey. And that left Hardman wide open. There was no one in that building who was predicting that the game-winning pass was going to Miko Hardman. Not me. <laughs> I, I Outside of Georgia fans watching from home, I don't think anybody thought Miko Hardman was getting the ball there. And I, I'm not saying... But that, that's why you use the tight end in that way. Yeah. I'm, I, I'm, again, I'm not trying to say Bernie is going to become this, but I'm curious as to how they use him. And I think, I think he's one of the key players in, in 2024. To set up everything they want to do offensively, because now he's got a little bit of a resume, he's got a little bit of a of, of some you know street cred out there. Yeah, teams know who he is now. He he did some positive things. They struggled to get him active in the first six games of the season. But I that, that I 
kind of attribute that to the entirety of the offensive struggles in the first half oh, of the I season. Agree. Yeah, I agree with you. But but it, remember, we we discussed this. I remember talking about it. We were like, what are they trying to accomplish with? I think we were having that show like mid October. <laughs> like what what is it Jake Brinning still is doing? Because he he wasn't necessarily the red zone threat. Um, to, to illustrate what I'm saying, first game one catch. Then he went three catches, three catches, three catches, three catches. So that's the first five games, John. After that, he went five catches, five catches, eight catches, two, four, three, one, and then nine in the last game against Kentucky. So they, again, the first half of the season, didn't quite know what to do with him. They figured out more in the second. So there's enough film on him now that defenses are going to start having to tip their hand and how they're going to defend Jake Brinson. That's why I, th- I think he's going to be a huge key. Oh, I completely agree, and that's you know kind of why I brought up earlier. Now that there is some tape on him and things on him, this is going to help everybody else out in the offense. I agree, and I, agree. I think I think being able to, for lack of a better term, kind of use him as bait, is going to really allow Garrett Riley to cook. I think so. I mean, he had he had four of his five touchdowns in this. Touchdown catches in the second half of the season. So they, they started to figure it well, out. Well, and I also think that the trust between he and Cade Klubnick, the connection there, it grew over the course of the season. It did. Um, but they've, they've got to build on that, and I, I think they're going to to use him. Vastly. I just I, I think they want him to be more of the zone buster than a scene buster. Yes, I would agree with that. Uh, I don't know. I'm... I, I'm Tight ends in today's game, and look, these coordinators, Garrett Riley, everybody, they're watching the Chiefs. You know, they're they're watching the Super Bowl, and they're going back and analyzing and, and watching every little breakdown play. They're always trying to find something to still here and still there to uh, to implement to their team. So I think that I'm very I'm very curious as to how this this matriculates as they go throughout 2024. Let's go to the phone line six five four roar. Mike and Anderson's up. Hey, Mike, how you doing today? Doing well, thank you, and thanks for getting me. And I had a couple of uh, questions. You guys are talking about spring practice. Uh, uh, number one, if you look at the way the offense looked last year through the first eight games when they were four and four, and then at, after those first eight games, the offense seemed to improve. Uh, they went maybe heavier on the run, or at least that's what it looked like. Does Garrett Riley? And, and, and I'm not knocking the guy, but he came here with a lot of fanfare, makes a lot of money. Did the offense really look that much difference uh, last year than it did in 2022? And does maybe Garrett Riley not not have to not prove something but step it up a little bit? And, and I know it was his first year. I get that. If, if Garrett Riley makes as much improvement from year one to year two as Wes Goodwin did from year one, the year two, that that should be a pretty good offense. Yeah, I, right? I, yeah. To answer your question, Mike, um, there's sort of layers to this because, yes, it, it looked different to me. I think from a schematic standpoint and kind of what they, some of the focuses that they had, I thought were very different. Were they limited to? He was very limited with his receiving core. I, I mean, and, you know, you can you can blame him for not coaching them up better. You can you just blame whatever you want. I, I don't care. But the receiving core certainly did did limit some things they wanted to do schematically. I think they found their Absolutely. footing as they went throughout the year, but it did look disjointed early. 
I think some of the things that they thought would work did not work. Some of that was offensive lines. Some of that was running backs. Some of that was receivers. Some of that's quarterback. Let's let's not forget. And I and I'm I'm not trying to be Dabo here, but let's not forget the turnovers that they had that cost them touchdowns. If those things become scores, then the first half of the season probably looks a little bit better, right? In terms of just the pure right. numbers, you agree? So I yeah, think, oh, absolutely. Yeah. So I think that. Yes, sir. Do I think it was different? I do. Now, I do agree with you that the, the the pressure does ratchet up a little bit. You've had a whole season to learn this roster and to understand your personnel and figure out what you can do. I, and I, I think there should be a high expectation. I'm not saying 40 points a game and 550 yards. I'm not saying that. But there should be an expectation of more efficiency within your offense. And and Clemson yeah. found some things that work, and they've, they've gone out and given – Garrett Riley resources. They gave him Matt Luke. They've focused very much on the offensive line, which I think is where a lot of their problems lied last year on offense. And he's got to get Kate Clubman to a certain place. Those things are obtainable and doable. Just want to keep it in perspective what kind of numbers we're talking about. Okay. All right. That's fair. Uh, second question I'll ask getting I'll hang up and listen. I hadn't heard anybody talk about it much. Nobody's doing the win game a lot yet it's, it's way too early we don't know what the roster is going to look like because of the transfer portal the nil stuff but uh if you look at the tiger schedule and i just noticed this the other day i pulled it up on my phone three of their first five games are against georgia an elite program they're against an improved or seemingly a solid north carolina state football team now and then a Florida State team who went undefeated in the regular season last year. Now, there's an open date in there, I think. But three of the first five games are against three pretty good and one really good football team. Does that concern you, as, as you're famous of asking John on the concern meter <laughs> one to ten? Where, where does that rank for you? And I'll hang up and listen. Thanks a lot. Thank you, Mike. I appreciate the call today. Uh, I I think that it's it's fascinating. Uh, if I were to do a concernometer on that alone, it would be pretty high. It's not concernometer day, John. We can't do concernometer on non concernometer day. That's very true. But to Mike's point, three ranked teams. We think will be ranked teams. Yeah, yeah. I, I Georgia. Think, uh, I, I, I will guarantee you that Georgia is ranked. Is that your hot Clemson. take for today? That Georgia will be ranked in the top twenty-five in the preseason. I think they'll be ranked in the top one. Uh, NC State, I believe, will be ranked. They should be. And Florida State will probably be ranked. Yeah, I, I, it's all about your perspective to me. You can look at it and be nervous and be scared and intimidated by it, or you can look at it as if I was a player. I can take that as a challenge. As we start spring ball next week, you know, and I, I don't mean any disrespect to Duke because you you kicked our teeth in up there on Labor Day night. But knowing for nine months your first game is Georgia versus Duke just has a different feel. I think if, if, if you're going to put a concern on this, the concern would be where are you going to find your footing game? Because you open up with Georgia right out the gate. So you yeah. don't get the easy win. You know, Everybody's shaking off the cobwebs and, and figuring out this position, that position. And then you get App State in your home opener, which – you. You just can't sleep on the Mountaineers. Time has proven that. We all know that. You, you just can't. So that that's a game that I don't, I don't think Clemson's favored by. I don't know if Clemson's even favored by three touchdowns in that game. I don't know. 
Yeah, it's right now. Way too early. We don't know what they that. look yeah. like coming out of the Georgia game. That'll dictate the line. Sure. And then, as Mike said, there's an off week, and then NC State. So, John, that's three straight games with an off week in there, but you just don't get an opportunity to really feel out who you are. You know, the Dabo Sweeney old uh, progression stage. You, you try to get try to get better as yeah. you you know go along. It's hard to do that when the schedule says Georgia, App State, NC State, Stanford, at Florida State. Before you even get out of the first week of October. We'll discuss more of this on the other side. 654-ROAR. Landscaper Supply in Piedmont is having a big grand opening event February 23rd and 24th. Join Quok and Ben live on location from noon till 3 on Friday the 23rd. Lots of giveaways plus free food. Landscaper Supply, Highways 8 and 81, Piedmont. Get in zone, AutoZone. Welcome to AutoZone. What are you working on today? I need new wipers. No problem. How about Bosch Prime Active or Envision? Get in zone, AutoZone. I know what you're thinking. Why Bosch Prime Active or Envision? They're both designed to minimize glare for clearer, safer driving. Get in zone, AutoZone. Okay, great. Do you have any special offers on them? Right now, you can get a $10 bonus reward when you buy a pair. Get in zone, AutoZone. Restrictions apply. Offer available to AutoZone Rewards members. Do, 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 do. Hey, what you gonna do when you gotta pee? You're gonna call Royal Flush at 238-8800. We've got your porta potties. We've got your event trailers too. Call Royal Flush at 864-238-8800 or visit them online at royalflushtoiletrental.com. We'll even pump your septic tank for you. Call Royal Flush because we're the king and queen of clean. So what have you got to do, 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 do? Call Royal Flush. Bosch is hosting a direct hire event for maintenance technicians at 1100 Scottsbridge Road in Anderson on Tuesday, February 27th from 9 to 2. Recently increased pay rates and multiple shifts. Learn more and RSVP at hdijobs.com backslash Bosch. Before you break ground on that exciting project, here's a friendly reminder from Fort Hill Natural Gas. Safety first. Call 811 before you dig. It's the law and it's free. Whether you're planting a garden or installing that dream patio, make sure to dial 811, your ticket to a safe and worry-free project. Fort Hill Natural Gas supports and recognizes safe digging practices. Your safety is their priority. Dig smart, dig safe. Call 811 before you dig. Brought to you by Fort Hill Natural Gas, where safety meets satisfaction. Tired of going out to eat and paying $10 to $20 for a meal, let alone breakfast? If for some reason you haven't heard the news yet, our good friends at Wendy's have the best valued breakfast around. Their two for three dollars Vicky bundle includes two of either sausage biscuit, egg and cheese biscuit, small seasoned potatoes, or medium hot coffee. Two items, three dollars, great food, greater value. Check out our Wendy's breakfast if you haven't already. Your bank account will thank you later. Clemson Nation, this is former national champion Ben Boulware. If you live in Anderson, Greenville, Clemson, or Malden, South Carolina, and you're looking for the best birthday suit in town, come get tailored at www.thejunkyardfitness.com. Come by and see us at our four locations in the upstate of South Carolina. Your first week is always free. Do you have sagging, softer, bouncy floors in your home? Well, this could be a sign of rotten wood caused by moisture in your crawl space. Damaged wood in your crawl space can affect your home's foundation, and that can affect your home's value, and nobody wants that. Say goodbye to sagging floors and hello to a stable foundation. 
Contact Canty today for your free inspection at 864-641-0176 or visit CantyCanFixIt.com. Thanks for calling Discover. This is Anjali. Hi, it's Jennifer Coolidge. I just got an alert for a strange charge on my card. No problem. We make sure you're never held responsible for unauthorized purchases on your Discover card. Let's see. Did you purchase something from a t-shirt cannon store yesterday? Absolutely not. No, I already have like three. Zero dollar fraud liability guarantee. It pays to Discover. Learn more at discover.com slash credit card. Limitations apply. So... What team will Bandwagon Brad pick this week? The nation's top bandwagon fans will be making their decision on what team to follow. What team will John scoff at? Did you just say scoff? Yes, I was scoffing. That's how you scoff. No, it's not. Tune in each weekday morning from 9 till noon on the Press Box, right here on The Roar, where every day is game day. Back here live on the roar of the press box of Brad and John. We were asked earlier in that last segment about Clemson's schedule and starting out. You know, I, I I can't really push back too much on this because it's still fresh in people's minds, but we have to at least bring it up what Georgia did to DJ Wangole. And, you know, whether or not, I mean, I don't think you can prove, it's just a theory, right? Like, you can't prove it 100% tangible that Georgia sort of set DJ and Clemson on a on a bad course in you know 2021 yeah yeah, yeah wow. 2021 gosh that was 3 <laughs> 3 years I know, ago it's hard to believe <laughs> but they weren't you know really the same Clemson you know that we had seen previously and and it wasn't the same DJ I don't, I mean I don't I, know that you can I mean yes you can put some of it onto that cuz he played horribly and Georgia had a lot to do with that but do you understand but, that being in people's minds? I understand yeah. that being in people's minds, but I also look at how, you know, how Clemson was so impacted from a recruiting standpoint over COVID. I mean, look look at the receivers you were trotting out there in that game. Justin Ross on one leg. And EJ Williams. Oh, yeah. Forgot about that. Who I don't think even got hardly any catches last year at Indiana. So you're saying there were just some misses on the field? Yeah, there were misses Justin because... Ross was. He just no, Justin healthy. Ross wasn't a miss. Yeah, he wasn't healthy. But you go back and look at some of like, those, those tiers of, of classes where... I mean, Brad, I went to Clemson. Like, they're the saying, there's something in these hills, right? Like, Clemson is a place that you have to be on the campus to really get it. And you couldn't do on-campus recruiting unless you were Antonio Pierce in Arizona State. You're the only ones out there doing it. Yeah. And somehow he failed upwards and is now the head coach of the Raiders. But we also tried to find anything and everything to explain why Clemson looked like they did with Trevor and Etienne and all those guys and then looked like they did a year later in 2021. Because you had multiple first-round picks replaced with guys who aren't going to the National Football League. Uh, I mean, I don't want to. <laughs> so, sometimes, but like, uh, there's a reason DJ's on his third school and he's not preparing for the draft right now. <laughs> John just made a really excellent point. Two guys went in the first round that I just mentioned. The guy you mentioned is in his his uh, fifth year in school and on his third college. 
There's a big difference there. Yeah. You know, when and that's the the downside with quarterback recruiting in this day and age of football. You can only go get one right now. Unless you're Ohio State and you're willing to pay an extreme amount of money to have multiple guys on your roster, you have to go all in on one guy right now. But I'm also not going to get frustrated at people who harken back to that that game and say that and relate it to August 31st for this year. Sure, no, I get that. But I, devil's advocate, that's the beauty of sports talk, right? You go back to that 21 season, that was the toughest game Georgia played. It's only 7-3. to three. It, yeah. Let's not act like Georgia scored. The defense did. Their offense didn't do anything in that game. They were also starting their own quarterback in that game. Well, yeah, he's he was the wrong quarterback to start at multiple schools. Yeah, it's including the side dish. Yeah, well, I don't blame him for that. That was his fourth Think or fifth concussion. That. Yeah, he went from starting against Clemson in a season opener on a national championship winning team to playing for the side dish, like two years later. Yeah, after a year in Morgantown. <laughs> Man, college football is weird, folks. It's about to get weirder too. We'll talk about that later on. I just, I just understand that the idea that it it, it bothered the, the thought is there. I get that, sure. I totally get that. I mean, you, I I can understand the the psyche behind that. But App State follows that game, and then NC State. Stanford I, I don't know. Right, right now, I'm just I'm not in the schedule part of trying <laughs> to figure out this team. I'm not. No, but to Mike's point, it, it's, it's a pretty pretty interesting start, to say the least. I think it's one that you have to note when no, you look at the schedule. Definitely. Three ranked teams in the first five games. It's not easy. We think. We I mean I you know, maybe I I'm I'm looking to see who NC State plays the first couple games. They play Western Carolina, Tennessee, Louisiana Tech before they get to Clemson. Yeah, they'll be two and one. They might not be ranked when they play Clemson. If they're ranked but, in the 20s but, and they lose it, to But if Tennessee needs a quality win to back the early resume. Man, can we get some mayo dumped on Josh Heupel or Dave Doran in that game? Oh, that's unsettling for both. What if, what if Doran shows up with a solo cup full of mayonnaise? It'd be on brand. That would be gross. He's a solo cup. It's on brand for Dave Doran. <laughs> what I'm be? pretty sure Red Solo Cup's his ringtone on his phone. Oh, I'm thousand percent sure of that he's not breaking out of the cigars if he beats josh heupel is he i wouldn't put it past dave dorn to light up a cigar after beating anybody maybe he just likes a good stogie okay fine <laughs> um i don't know i i think it's something we'll continue to talk about through the offseason is that early start of game. yeah i think we will i think we'll touch on it a couple of times couple between of times. now and the end of august did you have any thoughts on mike's other question about garrett riley in year one and then kind of what what that leads to in year two in terms of pressure um i do think that there is some heightened pressure yeah it comes with the territory right it comes with the the paycheck if you will but we talk about it a lot of times in the sport where year two of an offense that things really tend to take off trends have shown that over the years and so I, I'm going to operate under the premise that I think that the offense will improve this year just under year two of Garrett Riley. Another year of knowing not only what you have to do in a game week, but how to prep the whole offseason with it to learn the entirety of this play. But now Garrett Riley has more information at hand with the personnel. Now I feel I feel optimistic about year two with Garrett Riley. 
Okay. And I'm naturally just optimistic about year two of offensive coordinators at places. Why is that? Because normally year two is when stuff takes hold and they can really start to implement their things. Because guys have a full working knowledge of the offense and they've been able to kind of... Because you remember, we talked about this last year when Garrett Riley was hired and then also when Tommy Reese was hired at Alabama. That Garrett Riley was coming here to install and implement the entirety of his offense. Verbiage, terminology, everything. Nick Saban brought in Tommy Reese to use the verbiage and the terminology that they run at Alabama. And the reason I bring that up is now it's another year of you know the terminology, you know every the verbiage, you know everything that's being said to you in a given play call. Do you also buy the Matt Luke effect and working with Garrett Riley? You know, I mean, Matt Luke is extremely respected in this business, has been around a while, knows offensive lines, knows different schemes. And just having that, that guy to work with and bounce ideas on. I'm not, I'm not trying to I'm not I'm not trying to, you know, put down Thomas Austin, but Austin does not did not have the the level of knowledge that a Matt Luke does. No, that's Thomas Austin's in his thirties and Matt Luke's in his fifties. I mean it's twenty more years of working experience. Yeah. Right, right. So do you think that that's gonna play a factor in in how Riley calls the offense this year? Definitely. One of the things I remember going back, we've referenced it earlier in the show back in July when we went over to interview the coaching staff, was how close in Thomas it felt like Garrett Riley and Thomas Austin were in terms of their vision and what they wanted the offense to be. They were very in sync about that when we were talking to them that day. Yeah. You remember the dirt raid and how we all got excited about that terminology and everything? To that point, I feel that Matt Luke will be very right-hand man to Garrett Riley, if you will, in terms of how they're going to construct and design this offense. Yeah. Okay. Is that the key, though, the offensive line? Yeah. To me, it is. Oh, absolutely. It, because in, I mean, that's just that's football, right? If you can't block anybody, it's hard to do anything. But I do think that they're going to be very much on the same page. Yes. Matt Luke's not taking a job if he doesn't think Garrett Riley knows what he's doing. Oh, yeah. Cause it's, it's his reputation at stake. Oh, yeah, definitely. For Garrett Riley to want to be able to elevate and get to a – Head coaching job one day, absolutely. What's what is the pressure level on Garrett Riley in terms of the quarterback position and how he's he is charged with advancing Cade Klubnik by a lot, I, not not a small amount. No, yeah, a lot. Now, got to protect the football. Boy, if you just get a young player to learn how to protect the football, it's amazing what what else happens around a team when that when that occurs. But if he can cut down on the turnovers and make better decisions, I don't I don't think K Clubbing has to be um Joe Burrow. No. I think K Clubbing just has to protect the football and make better decisions. I don't think that's too much to ask from a from a player of his his caliber. I don't think so either. You know, I I just I wonder how much of last year is going to be a a learning example for him. And we won't know until we get to August and September of this year how much of that was able to roll over. But I feel like the turnovers, as the season went on, they did cut down. Yeah. You know, it wasn't as just, like, ridiculous turnovers like they were in September and the first half of October. There's there's ways, though, that you can help that in, in cut down. I mean, teaching pocket awareness. And, and, and sometimes you just have to go through it a certain amount of times, right, before you really get it and understand it. But they'll continue to to work on that I think because well, I, I mean you go back to 
I'm sure Kate at his high school level wasn't pressured like he was at the collegiate level. He was able to out-athlete a lot of people, run around and run by some guys. you got to learn how to adjust to the speed of the game. Yeah. Yeah, I just I, I just want to keep it in perspective what we're talking about offensively here because we're not saying Clubnet's got to go be Joe Burrow. But I, I think that's what people hear sometimes, you know, that when you say he's got to be better, he's got to take a, a big step forward. I don't mean he's got to go from 2023 K Klubnik to, you know, 2019 Joe Burrow. I, that's not fair. You can't say he's got to be Trevor Lawrence. You can't say – it's just not – I just don't think that's what has to occur. I mean, if it does – Oh boy, watch out. But no one's saying that. No one's believing that that's got to be the case for Clemson to win football games. Because, I mean, as old as it got hearing, Dabo wasn't wrong in what he said. If Clemson just cut down some turnovers, they have more wins and they have better looking numbers on the scoreboard. Yeah. It really is. I mean, it is, it's, it's truly that simple. But the turnovers occurred. You can't just go. Well, they didn't happen. We'd have been fine. I mean, that's not that's not a reason to just be okay with it. Yeah, it's not that's not a realistic approach. I, mean, I understand. Yes, in theory, that Coach Sweeney is a hundred percent correct. If you turn even just the the turnovers at the one yard line, <laughs> I'm not yeah. ta- I'm not even talking about like the Kalen Deloach scoop and score, but just the one yard line against Duke and you know, even some of the against Florida State or what have you. How much different the season would have looked and felt. Very different. You can't. You can't just you know act like they didn't happen. But to your point, I agree with you. Yeah, you can get sick and tired of hearing it, but it doesn't make the point wrong. No, but it doesn't. It doesn't change the the ledger here. You know, it's, the losses still count. The turnovers still happen. The points are still a. You know, the lack of points are still there uh, when they when they could have been much higher. So. I think I think there is a lot of pressure on Garrett Riley in year two. Is there more pressure than there was in year one? Well, you know what? Maybe our expectations were a little too high. Maybe you got to reel that in a little bit. Yeah, I'll I'll admit it. I, th- I think my expectations of Garrett Riley were too high last year. I think mine were as well. Doesn't mean it was a bad hire. Doesn't mean it won't work out. Doesn't mean year two can't be really good. Yeah, all, all those things can be true. I mean, the fact. But I just I, I don't know that I'm willing to, um, you know, put heap the amount of 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 praise and expectation on Riley that we did this time last year. I think that's fair. I think the offensive line has a lot to do with that. I think the receivers have a lot to do with that. It, it was there was some Jimmy and, and I, I'm not. It's not all blame because I don't. I don't think Riley was far. He was far from perfect last year. I think it took him a little too long to figure out. Let's just do this. Let's. You know what? Give the ball to Mafa, okay? Yeah. <laughs> you know, we, you and I were screaming. Everybody was screaming about that for like six weeks. Just give the ball to Mafa. They started giving the ball to Mafa more, and what happened? Things opened up. Yeah. The offense took off. Yeah. He got more touches. You know, Shipley was getting more touches. You know, they weren't, uh, they weren't trying to force a square peg in a round hole anymore. He said, now, did I think the blocking was was good and the and the running? And I understand some of it was early season. You're trying to get the passing game to a certain level because you can't just go. We're gonna run the ball for the first six games and just hope the passing game clicks. If you know you can run the ball, which if you go back and watch the Duke game, they ran the the heck out of that football. But they also wanted to get the passing game on track because they felt they were gonna need it down the road. Turns out it just didn't work out like they had planned. And that's sort of football. 
but they did eventually come around to that run game as a strength and leaned on it heavily. They found offensive line. Remember, the, the offensive line was a different starting group almost every week because of injuries, because of performance, but mainly because of injuries. That's what happened. 654 Roar, you want to get in. Hour two gets right here in just a few moments. Uh, we'd love to hear from you. 654 Roar back right after this. Don't go anywhere. WCCP FM 105.5, Clemson, Greenville Anderson, WAHT AM 1560.